Hi folks, welcome to the Keep Singing Podcast, Postmortem Edition. Sai, your host, Sunny, also known as Dynamic Symmetry on Twitter and Tumblr and many other places. And oh my god, I have a lot to say about this episode. Uh, before I get into it, some housekeeping. This next weekend, well really starting on Wednesday, but going all the way through to Monday, I'm going to be at World Fantasy Con in Baltimore, which I'm very excited about. I'm on the staff though. Well, I mean, not though. That's also awesome, among other things. It means I get a hefty discount on my membership, which is pretty great. But it means I'm going to be extremely busy, not just being at the con and being on panel and doing reading, but I'm also going to be busy just kind of handling the con. Uh, That means that I'm going to be gone for a big chunk of next week, and it also means that there is a possibility that I might not be able to watch the episode on Sunday, which which I realized that, and I was like, fucking shit. I'm, I'm gonna obviously DVR it. Possibly I'll be able to sneak away on Sunday night and just for like an hour and watch it. I, there's, as far as I know, nothing going on Sunday night. There's just the banquets in like the afternoon, so I don't think there's actually technically anything that would get in the way, but they might need me for breakdown. Uh, some people might kidnap me and take me to the bar, and I never get to see these people. So these are like my buds, and I never get to see them except at cons. So it's possible that I'll have to watch the episode late. I'll let you know if I'm going to do that. You are absolutely forbidden to spoil me in asks if that happens. It also means that my recap might be a little late, too, because I'm not even getting home until Monday. So yeah, but that's going to be really great. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I've been looking forward to that for a while. And I need it because fuck, this has been a month. Just fuck this month. Fuck this year. Anyway, okay. I have a lot to say. I have other stuff to do today. So I'm just going to go ahead and slide right into it. Okay, first of all, let me say... Uh, This was the best episode this season, I think. One of the reasons why it was the best episode this season is that because of how fast-paced it was and how much was going on screen, how much was going on on screen, and how they had basically stopped establishing things and they were just charging ahead with the plot, I was mostly able to ignore the significant world-building problems for once. And I'm looking forward to that for the next couple of episodes, and then I expect to slide right back into that uh, when, you know, they do the second time jump, assuming they are going to do that, and it really does seem like they will. That's probably going to be the same bullshit all over again with me, and I'll tell you all about it if that happens, and I apologize in advance. But this episode was incredibly strong. One of the reasons why it was so strong is, like I said, they are just charging ahead with the plot, and there is a great balance in this episode between things happening and actual characterization work happening too. You have action being balanced with the scenes with Michonne and Negan, which I'll talk more about in a bit. They were really frustrating me at first, and and a lot of that is because anytime Negan is on screen, I am to some degree frustrated. But I ended up really liking them, and a lot of that was because of Michonne, just because, you know, anything where Michonne gets a lot of screen time to herself is great. But a lot of it was what they were doing with Negan, which I didn't expect and didn't really get immediately. And yeah, like I said, I'll talk about it. But I want to talk about Rick first. I have a lot to say about Rick. Uh, first, I want to say that the end of last season when Rick spared Negan, I was one of the reasons why I was very frustrated with it is that 
I was getting the strong sense that the sympathies of the writers were with Negan. You know, like sometimes it's easy to tell sometimes when you're reading something that a writer has written where a character is doing something and you're like, fuck, that's really stupid. That's awful. And you get the feeling reading it that the writer does not know that, that the writer is on board with the character. The writer is sympathetic to what the character is using to justify their stupid, wrong actions. And I was getting that feeling uh, last season, and that was one of the reasons why I was really mad. But I'm getting this season the feeling that the writers actually understand that Rick fucked up. And that uh, he fucked up in a way that is creating a lot of problems. Because when Daryl delivered his speech, which I will also squee, squee about in a minute, uh, Daryl... At least, you know, I'm biased toward Daryl anyway, but at least how that was written, I think that Daryl was dropping truth bombs and the writers intended them to be truth bombs. That that when Rick tried to justify why Negan was still alive, and Daryl said, you're just giving them hope that things are going to go back to the way they were, that that is real, that that's the writers agree with that, that, that they are recognizing that that is part of the problem here. That yes, if, if Rick had killed Negan, yes, Re Negan would have been a martyr and that would have been something that they would have had to deal with. But that would have been something that they could probably have gotten over in time. Whereas every second Negan survives, the problem is ongoing and people maintain hope that he will someday return to power. And Daryl, being a perceptive motherfucker, knows that. And Rick is real good at lying to himself, and, and Rick does not. But the first time we really see some indication that the show understands that this was a problem is when Jesus, who is one of the real level-headed ones, says to Maggie, Rick, Rick messed up. That was wrong what he did. He made a call that was not his to make. And the way, again, the way that scene is written and the way that Jesus says that, I think the writers are on board with that, that Rick ignored the pain of a lot of people. And he kind of made a unilateral decision that really was not his to make. I even if he hadn't killed Negan then, you know, they if they were going to return civilization to the world, this really just occurred to me. But I think it might have been interesting. They could have had a trial. You know, they could have had like kind of a Nuremberg type deal and laid out all the war crimes and tried to be fair and objective and had a real honest-to-God trial, and at the end of that, potentially sentenced him to death. And it would have been a pain in the ass, and it would have been difficult, and potentially it wouldn't have worked. But if it would have worked, it would have done a lot to restore legitimacy or to lend legitimacy to the new regime. And that way, Rick would have been giving what Carl wanted a chance while also giving other people their say and giving recognition to other people's pain. He could have done that. He chose not to. And that was a big mistake. And the show, I think, knows that. And I, I really, really appreciate that. It's, it's difficult, it's painful to see the emotional fallout from that, but uh, it's, it's good. It's, I mean, it's good writing. So that was good. Before I talk more about the stuff that Daryl said, that scene, uh, let me just say that I have been waiting for that scene for years, for literal years. I've been waiting for that scene I've been waiting for Daryl to finally do what is what has what Daryl has done before, really. When Rick gave his "We Are the Walking Dead" speech and Daryl pushed back really strongly, Daryl, although he tends to kind of duck his head and go along with whatever Rick wants to do, 
he has shown in the past the ability to stand up and say, Rick, you're full of shit. Like, I'm sorry, but this is wrong. You're wrong, and here are all of the reasons why you are wrong. And he finally did that, and it was beautiful. I'm going to jump ahead, though, to the one problem with it I had, however. And it was what Daryl said about how Rick... I think I heard this right. My, my TV speakers aren't awesome right now, but... Uh, I'm pretty sure that I heard and recall right that Daryl, Rick said, I never asked anybody to follow me. And Daryl was like, well, maybe you should. And it's, uh, on the one hand, I understand why Daryl would say that. I think it's in character for him to say that. On the other hand, this is just a reiteration of a thing that has been going on since, really since season two. And I think in fact, since season one, which is, Rick's abdication of responsibility for leading, while at the same time really wanting to lead and tending naturally toward that and everybody else doing what people in a group often do with somebody who is pushing real hard at being a leader and nobody else wants to do it and they all just kind of fold and follow Rick. And Rick, no, Rick has never, I, well, you know, I think he maybe arguably does it in season two at the end where he's like, this is not a democracy anymore. Pretty sure I'm recalling that right. It's been a while, a while since I watched the last couple episodes of season two. I'm currently watching it again for the good stars. But the, he, he did that then and that wasn't super great or super sustainable. Rick, Rick does not seem to handle democracy well. Like when, when, when the group has been working according to any kind of a democracy in the past, Rick has always pulled back and been like, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm not the leader anymore. When things become very authoritarian, that's when Rick is in his element and really steps in. But he still does not ask people to follow him. He does not step up and say, I want to be your leader. Will you follow and trust me? And he doesn't do that Maybe he should. Daryl is right in that in that sense, but he doesn't do that, I think, because it is really just not in his nature to do that. If he tried to do that, I don't know how well that would work. Daryl was dead on when he said, you just don't have enough faith in us. That's, I think that's part of why the idea of a trial was just never on the table for Rick. Saying, okay, I'm keeping this guy alive, but I'm doing that because I'm going to put his fate in your hands. You all decide what happens to him. He didn't do that because he did not have faith in people to, to handle their shit themselves. He, he, his idea of how the world is going to work is a positive one right now. It's one that a lot of people in the group and in all of the communities really want to work toward. It falls in line with a lot of what they want. When, when Carol said, I really wanted this to work out, she meant it. But at the same time, he's imposing that image on other people. When Cindy said, after the war was over, we went along with what Rick wanted because we thought we didn't have a choice until Maggie showed us that there was another way. He says, here is how things are going to be. And he never explicitly asks people to follow him, but he's the leader figure. So everybody kind of just goes along with it. They just kind of don't question in a really direct way, except Maggie has, and now Daryl has, they don't question whether this is actually how things are supposed to work or whether this is the best way of doing things. Or if they do question, they keep it very much to themselves. 
there are, I think there, I could get into a lot of reasons why that dynamic works the way it does that I, I don't really want to dig into right now, especially because I have not fully articulated to myself all of the reasons why that works the way it does. But Rick, like I said, unilaterally decided that Negan was going to live and unilaterally decided how all of this was going to work and, and took Carl's vision or what he interpreted as Carl's vision. And I, I think Carl's, Carl's vision for the future was vague enough that there are a number of ways in which one could go about establishing that that vision for the future. He, kind of like a religious leader, took this took this sacred edict from Carl and interpreted it in a specific way and then just imposed that interpretation on everybody and never really asked anybody what they wanted to do. Daryl said that last episode before this one and he was dead on. Rick never asked anybody. Rick never consulted with anybody, not really, not in any way that appears to be meaningful. And people like Ezekiel and Maggie have had free reign in a lot of respects regarding how they handle their communities. But in terms of the vision that they're all working toward, Rick just decided what that was gonna be and hasn't really asked anybody whether or not they're on board with that. He just kind of assumes until like the saviors have, they make it very clear and, and do so violently in, in, in many cases that they are not on board with what he wants to do. And even Daryl ended up, the, the confrontation they had was initially violent until they both fell in the hole and, you know, had to cooperate and, and had their bro chat. But yeah, Rick, Rick's leadership and lack thereof in some cases is really an unsolvable problem. And I'm not sure to what degree the writers know that and are commenting on it and to what degree they're actually not fully aware of that. It's, oh God, like I don't wanna say that I'm glad that Rick is leaving. By the way, I'm still not 100% sure he's gonna die for, for reasons I will get into more shortly. I. It's not that I want him to go. I love him and I'm going to miss him so much. And I think there are a lot of things I'm going to be dissatisfied about regarding why what happens after he leaves. At the same time, it's not that Rick's arc is stale, but it's very cyclical and really it just hasn't gone anywhere. Rick's, Rick's arc this season is very similar to his arc in season four, in the beginning of season four, moving into into the back half of season four where he just completely goes off the rails and starts ripping out people's throats with his teeth, which I frankly miss, I, I, I miss those days. But it's, it's just cycling around and around and around over the same thing where Rick doesn't want responsibility and then Rick kinds of fall kind of falls backward into responsibility but then won't fully articulate what his responsibilities are and angsts about it and makes people upset with him because he won't fully articulate what his responsibilities are and also he won't consult with anybody about the choices he does make and just kind of assumes everybody's going to go along with it and then he has this moment of crisis where he's like I never asked anybody to follow me and everybody's like well maybe you should just fucking decide what you want, Rick. And then something happens and then he either doesn't, he is either pulls back and is no leader anymore or he is a leader and then it doesn't work out and the whole thing rinses and repeats. And we're in season eight, we're in season nine. No, wait, God, we're in season nine. Yeah, fuck, we're in season nine. And the same thing with Rick has been happening over and over and over. And I just don't see much evidence that they're doing anything different where that's going if he survived, uh, or if he survives, 
Well, I mean, I, th I think one of the reasons why, if he lives, what they're survives, what they're going to do to him, and I think there is a really good chance that he will, and we will see him again eventually. That that moment of breakage and potentially rebirth. It looks like next episode he's really going to confront everything that's happened to him in all of this time. He's going to cycle back around to where things began and confront what happened to start all of this out. Uh, I, I, I think that that might be a moment of breakage where if he comes back, he will come back changed enough that they will be able to kind of, that they will have broken him out of the cycle and he will be on a different kind of arc. I, I hope that's the case. I would like to see them stop doing this over and over again. But if he is going to die, I think it might be, in some respects, good that that happened in a writing sense. Again, I really want to be clear that I'm not like pro-Rick dying, but the, the fact is that they're kind of stuck in a rut with him. And I, I kind of, when I try to think, well, where could they take him in this season? You know, we're gonna we're gonna run into the whispers again in like the back half of the season, and I don't really see any way in which Rick's journey in that part of the season wouldn't be pretty much exactly what we have seen. Now we're in another war, and Rick is kind of the general figure, and and when then when the war is over, we have the same problem with him again. I I just don't see any way unless there is a huge crisis point, unless there is just this massive break in everything in his whole life story and his whole trajectory. I just I don't see any way in which they can break that up or change it, and it's getting kind of stale. So I wonder if that might be part of if he survives, it might be part of why they're doing what they're doing. If he, if he, when he returns, it will be in such a different context that he will not be in this rut anymore. I hope that's the case. Uh, I hope that he doesn't die. And I really hope that when we see him again, if he doesn't die, things are going to be really different with him. But yeah, the, my, in, in conclusion, Rick's leadership skills are an unsolvable writing problem. Uh, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. All right, let me talk, let me talk about Daryl. That scene, like I said, I have been fucking waiting for that scene for so long, and Norman nailed the acting in that. When Norman, Norman is sometimes great, and sometimes he's just kind of adequate. But I think that what determines whether or not he's great or merely adequate is really what they give him to work with. And when they give him good stuff to work with, he shines. And one of the reasons why he hasn't really shown in the last couple really god really not since season five although the cell was really good partly because he just had most of that time to himself and he wasn't relegated to what he's kind of been over the past couple of seasons and basically kind of just been a prop kind of just a background character but when they give him good material he really sinks his teeth into it and he does very well norman absolutely nailed it but also that was just a great character moment for daryl because it was such a it was such a moment of real courage for him. It was something we haven't seen from him in a while. He, like I said, he did something he's done a couple times before, but that his his natural inclination is not to do it. And he says to Rick, no, you're wrong, and here is why you're wrong. And and as, as I was live blogging, you know, he was talking about Maggie and talking about how Rick ignored Maggie's pain and just kind of made this decision for Maggie and how what happened to Glenn was just so horrible and Rick was just kind of pretending that it didn't matter almost or pretending that it wasn't a, it wasn't 
a big enough deal for him to really incorporate it into his decision making. And he, I, I, I was, I was about to write. Well, you know, once again, he's talking about Maggie, and he's not talking about himself. And then he fucking talked about himself. That never happens. All throughout all of this, Daryl has really been. Whenever he talks, whenever he confronts Rick like this, or anybody, he talks about other people. He talks about what other people have been through. He talks about how this is unfair to other people. He talks about other people's feelings. He doesn't advocate for himself. I think a lot of that is just self-esteem issues. He just doesn't regard himself as important. But he finally talks about how Rick also was not acknowledging his pain, was not acknowledging his humiliation, was not acknowledging the way he was tortured. And he was like, you saw what happened. You saw what they did to me. You saw how they were parading me around. You saw how embarrassing it was and how degrading it was. And you didn't see all of what happened to me, but you saw enough. And it still wasn't enough for you to take what I went through into account. And that was just so fucking beautiful. God, I was so happy. Oh, it's going to be too long before we see another moment like that, isn't it? Oh, but it was just so good. Oh. And it was, like I said, such a big character moment for him. People who have said that he's been kind of stagnant are not wrong. I, I've been holding, holding on and keeping faith that they were eventually going to take this quote-unquote dark place that he's in and either explore more of what it means for him to be stuck in such a dark place for all of this time when in season four and, and in season five and really all since, since the beginning of season one going all the way to season four it was sort of the story of his development and his maturing and his growing into being part of a group and his accepting that he deserved to be there and he had a place and then when beth died that all went to hell and it's been in hell since then and i was hoping that they would actually explore some of the deeper reasons of why things were why things had gotten to this point and what they meant for him or i was hoping they would explore some of his journey back out and there hasn't been anything like enough of this, but what we got last night was something close to that. It was a recognition that he's very angry at Rick and he is very dissatisfied with how things are and he's really frustrated, but it was also a measure of very real character growth because he even, God, even Daryl a couple seasons ago, I don't think would have done that. Even Daryl last season, I don't think would have done that. Remember that when Rick left him at the kingdom, he was just kind of standing there like the fuck, bruh. But he didn't, he wasn't like, no, wait, like, this is incredibly unfair. The fuck are you doing? And finally, we got something like that from him. And that was huge. And I really, really loved it. And oh, God, when he says, I would have died for you. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, the scene where they're climbing out of the pit. Uh... Oh wait, no. Let, let me let me cycle back around to the 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 thing that happened after he said I would have died for you. Where he's this guy. The, the, I wanted to mention this because this is this goes back to how Rick took what Carl said as sort of the Ten Commandments handed down from on high, and then put his own spin on it and his own interpretation of it, and then imposed that on everybody else. Daryl is calling him on that and is saying this this vision of, of Carl's future that you're trying to make real. This is you not being able to let go. This is you not being able to get past that moment and look around and see that what Carl would have wanted is what 
works. What Carl would have wanted is something good, something future-oriented, something positive, but also something that is sustainable. And Rick, what you are trying to do is not sustainable. And if you are going to honor Carl's memory, you need to let Carl go. And that was so fucking beautiful too. And so real. And so great. And yeah, that's, that's, that's all I have to say about that. And only Daryl could, well, not, not only Daryl could deliver that. I think Maggie, no, nah, I don't think Maggie could because Maggie doesn't have the same connection with, with Rick. But Michonne, I think, could have delivered that speech. But uh, Daryl is one of the very, very few people in Team Family, I think, who could actually deliver that speech and have Rick really hear him. Because when you hit Rick over the head, I think he does listen. It just takes some real hitting over the head. Okay, the, the scene where they're climbing out of the pit. Um, okay, first of all, when he puts his hand down and is like calls him brother again, and, and then I died. Uh, and then I came back, and then I died again. But it's it was also so clearly a callback to Chupacabra. And I, I'm going to talk... I have a couple more things to say about that. I think that it may be bigger than I thought initially. But one of the reasons why I loved that they did that was that it was... It was such a... Something that this season has been doing a lot is bringing things kind of full circle. It's been doing callbacks to how things were. And it was doing that some in season eight, too. And it's doing callbacks to how things were. And it's kind of bringing these moments of character development around full circle by echoing them in the present. Echoing their characters' pasts. Sorry, my phone went off. Echoing my characters, the characters' pasts into the present. The big example of that that I can think of is when... Uh, uh, Carol rescues Henry when he's hiding in, in the creek bed in the exact same place uh, in terms of where they filmed, where Sophia was hiding. And she saves Henry when she couldn't save Sophia. And that, that is such a moment of closure for her. That's a, that is a closing of part of her journey. And then she can really move on into something else where she is now, which is fucking great and incredible. And I love her. And that... That moment in Chupacabra for Daryl was such a moment of unresolved crisis and tension. It was so incredibly fraught because it was a moment where Daryl was at a transition that he was feeling a tremendous amount of guilt about, where he was needing a brother figure so much and he had lost Merle and he was, in spite of himself and in spite of the fact that really on paper, Rick should have been the last person he would choose for this, he was gravitating toward Rick as a replacement brother figure. And he was feeling incredibly guilty about that. And so hallucination Merle showed up to remind him of why he was feeling so guilty and mock him for it and say, you, you left me, you abandoned me, you're not looking for me anymore, but here's this new guy and you're his bitch. And Daryl's very resistant to that. But the, the moment when Merle reaches down and says, grab your friend Rick's hand, that is, and he doesn't, nobody, he, he pulls himself up. There's no hand there for him. Merle's hand is not really there, but Rick's hand is also not really there. He is so profoundly on his own in that moment. And there are a lot of ways in which that moment encapsulates a conflict in Daryl's character from which he has never emerged. In, in many respects, I think he has never entirely left that moment. And it's not that he still feels guilty for having Rick be his brother figure. I don't think he feels conflicted about that anymore. But I think that Daryl lives in horror of being alone. He cannot bear the thought of being alone. He would, he would rather be with a group of people he hates than be alone. It's it, him being alone is hell. It's one of the reasons why when Beth says you're going to be the last man standing, he just is staring at her in utter horror. I wonder, I've always wondered if she knew that 
I don't think she does in that moment. I don't think she really understands what she's just said to him, that she's been like, you're going to go to hell. It's, I don't think she would have knowingly said that to him. But he cannot stand the idea of being alone. And in Chupacabra, when he ends up having to pull himself out of the gorge and there's nobody there to help him, I think he is terrified that that will, that will eventually be his life, that he will just be completely alone and nobody will be there to help him. And this time, when he's trying to do the same exact thing in a very similar circumstance, when he's had this moment of reckoning with this person who means a lot to him, and he's trying to pull himself out of this literal and figurative pit, and he's reaching out for somebody's hand, somebody's hand is there and it pulls him out. And I think that that was the closing of that part of Daryl's arc. That was, that was a real deep moment of healing for him, where this this unhealed wound because i i think that he's he is not guilty he doesn't feel guilty about having rick be his brother figure but i think part of him still feels kind of guilty about merle i think that he's made his peace with the moment of merle's death but i think that it gnaws at him how that ended that he still he misses merle and he also feels like that's a part of his life that's just never going to be made right and that's probably still true he probably still feels that way but this was also a moment of real closure and healing for him. And I think that the callback to Chupacabra was so intentional and so real. And like I said, we've been seeing other moments like that for other characters. Interesting that it's another season two moment, like it was for Carol. But that's, that, that is what I think was going on there. And I think we're going to, it looks like we're going to see a lot more of that next episode, about which more in a minute. But I was thinking the Chupacabra callback, I was thinking that that was just primarily about that moment of closure for Daryl, about that, that circle being finally closed off. But then other things happened. And this is where I kind of come down on thinking there might be more to it. When Rick uh, falls on the piece of rebar and it's jabbing, it's impaled him, it's doing so in exactly the place where it happened to, to Daryl in Chupacabra, exactly the same fucking place in exactly the same way. And the horse throws him to, to get him there, if I'm remembering correctly. And that's exactly what happened to Daryl in Chupacabra too. The horse got spooked and threw him and he fell down the gorge and he got impaled. And he got impaled with a walker coming at him and he passed out and didn't see that initially, but then, you know, it, it happened. And that's just, that, ah, it could be accidental, but it happening so soon after a Chupacabra callback, I don't know. I just feel like maybe it was. And then next episode, it looks like he's going to be hallucinating pretty intensely. I think that's what we're seeing. I don't think we're going to be seeing the show getting all artsy symbolic, which it has kind of done before. I think what we're actually going to be seeing is is rick taking a journey in his mind back to where all of this began now that's not exactly what daryl did but but daryl's conversation with hallucination merle was in some respects kind of like that and i just the and the, the thing about that that makes me think that there might be more to the chupacabra callback is that daryl daryl survived that like he shouldn't have but he dragged himself out of the gorge and made it back he didn't die they all thought he was a walker for a second but then uh andre did shoot him but he didn't die against all the odds and god i don't know if they're putting rick in daryl's place in this case and i'm again i, I want to emphasize that i'm not 100 percent sure that they're doing that but i 
I just don't think it can be fully accidental. And I don't want to come down too hard on it meaning something because I still think there's a good chance that Rick does die. But it's making me, it's inching me a little more than I already was in the direction of this not being the complete end for Rick. I just, I, I just think there's a, there's a real decent chance that he doesn't die or that his death is open-ended enough that there's wiggle room to bring him back, much in the way that there was with, with Beth's death. Even if she is dead, the fact remains that if, if I wanted to bring her back, if I was writing the show or if I took over a showrunner and I wanted to bring Beth back, I wouldn't have to change a single thing about her death, about the way it was written, in order to make it plausible. All the pieces are already in place. She could be dead, but there's also nothing that would need to change in order for him to her to come back. And I think that you might see the same kind of thing happening with Rick, where it looks kind of decisive and it doesn't look like he could survive, but there's enough wiggle room in the writing that they could bring him back if they wanted to, or they could bring him back because they intend to. I, I feel like with somebody like Rick, if they're gonna leave wiggle room, it's because they really do intend to bring him back at some point. But yeah, it's... I just don't think this is necessarily the end for him. I really, really don't. Okay, a um, couple more things. Um, that was their, that was Daryl and Rick's goodbye scene, wasn't it? It fucking kills me because it looks like, spoiler alert, it looks like what's gonna happen after the, the big time jump is that Daryl's gonna go off and live in the woods and Carol's gonna come and find him. And it just, it just means that that moment of closure and healing that Daryl had, it's all gonna go to hell because his brother's gonna die again and he's gonna be all by himself. And he's gonna go off and elect to be all by himself. And that's makes my, that breaks my heart and it's also kind of frustrating because it's like he, he made it so close to being approaching on his way to okay again. And then he's just gonna be not even kind of remotely okay. Oh, but it really was a beautiful goodbye scene. It, I mean, it felt like a goodbye scene to me. It felt like, I felt like, and, and this also made me so sad. It, I felt like that was the, that was the last really big interaction they were going to have for a very long time, if not forever. That's just so fucking sad. Yeah, it's, I, I hate the feeling that we just saw the end of it, but I think there's a real good chance that we did. Okay, let me talk about Negan. I, as I said, I was very, very frustrated by the fact that Negan showed back up on screen because I don't like Negan, think he's boring. And one of the reasons, one of the other reasons why it was frustrating me is he started talking about his fucking wife and like, I don't care. I don't care. Stop trying to humanize this guy with a dead wife. I mean, talk about a cliched way to humanize a character, a, a bad male character, and make us feel kind of bad for him because, oh no, he lost a wife. It's like fridging somebody retroactively. It's so fucking bullshit. And and I, I just, I felt like it was just kind of more of the same of not necessarily trying to give this guy a redemption arc, but trying to make us feel like, oh, there's something deeper in him. There's like a deeper pain that we, we, you know, we should be feeling something for. And kind of like what they did with the governor, only shitty, because how they did it with the governor was very good and worked very well and was very well justified. And a lot of that was in his solo episodes. It was just so great and so well done. So it, it's, it's been driving me crazy to see them, what I interpreted them as doing, trying to do the same thing with a character where they have not laid the groundwork for him for that, to function correctly, and 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 I'm, 
And I was also just like Michonne, he is so clearly trying to get under your skin. Just walk away, just leave the food and walk away. Who the fuck cares if he starves himself? Who gives a shit? But then the moment where it clicks in her head that this is all about Lucille, that, that this is all like he may, I think that when he says he's sorry about Carl in his Negan-esque way, kind of lizard-like way, he means it. Like he's not sorry in a human way, but he's sorry in a Negan way. And when he says that he misses his wife and he's really sad about what happened to her, in a Negan way, he's he is right about that. And And one of the things about Negan that does vaguely intrigue me is to what degree is Negan like this now because of the world falling apart? And to what degree was he always like this? And I I think that that is a question the show asks about characters frequently. I think that that's a question that it asks mindfully. And I think that it isn't in, in some ways asking it about Negan. Has he always been like this? Has this always been in him? Or is this really something new? It, it asked it very effectively of the governor. And, and it did not, I think, deliver a solid answer, which I like. I like that it didn't, it kind of left that up to the audience to decide. And I think that it is kind of, it's kind of implicitly asking it about Negan as well. But the moment where Michonne realizes that, yes, maybe some of that was all sincere, but it was also just a tool. It was just a ploy. And what he really, really wants is Lucille. And why I like that is because it's not humanizing Negan. And oh God, I hope this isn't just my interpretation. I hope this is actually what the show was doing. It's not humanizing Negan. It's actually further dehumanizing him. Not in a, not in a, the sense that, that not in a negative sense, in a way, in, in the sense where it is calling attention to his lack of humanity. Because, not because he doesn't care about things. He very clearly does care about things, but because of what he cares about and why. He's kind of Negan sorry about Carl, and he's kind of Negan sad about his wife. But the thing that really makes him feel something, the thing that really, really moves him emotionally and psychologically is a fucking instrument of murder. Like that's, that is such a, that is such a monstrous way to be. That is such an inhuman way to be. And the, the scene where he, the, the, at the end of that scene where he's just banging his head against the wall, that's, that is a, not a humanizing, oh, I really feel bad for this guy's inner pain, or at least, that's not even a, I recognize this guy's inner pain. That's just a, you are irredeemably fucked up. There is just something so broken and wrong in you that, that this is the only thing you feel anything for. That was just really interesting. And I did not expect them to do that. And I really like it. I think that it's a deeper way of kind of unraveling Negan's character than we've almost seen at all so far. I just, I'm very happy about it. And also Michonne's, there were a lot of things about last night that made my heart sing, but Michonne's face when she realizes what's going on and she realizes she, she can use this to get him. And she's like, I, we don't have it. I don't know where it is. It's just out there in the wilderness somewhere in the elements getting rained on and getting chewed on by animals and just getting, yeah, just getting buried in mud and how much it eats away to him to hear that. And the sad, real, the very real satisfaction she took in that. That was just a great moment for her. Just fucking loved it. It was, it was awesome. 
There are very few scenes that Negan's in that I can say, that was an awesome scene. That was an awesome scene. I, I don't expect, I still think they're going to give this guy a redemption arc. They're clearly going to, pretty clearly going to let him out of jail or he's going to break out or something. I don't know how, I don't really care. But, and I'm worried that they are going to give him a redemption arc after that. Or, and even if they don't, he's just going to keep being kind of boring. But that moment was great and really well written and fantastically acted. It's, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is such a good actor. It's why I was so excited when they cast him. And they have given him so little to work with with Negan because Negan's primary, uh, primary trait is smugness. And smug, you have to be able to act decently, I think, to pull off smug. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan can do smug very well. But that's kind of all they've given him to do. So the, the moments where they've allowed him to show any kind of other range of emotion have been wonderful because you actually get to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan working to his strengths. And you also got to see that last night. And that was very, very satisfying for me to, to be like, oh, yeah, there's a great actor here and he's doing a very good job. It's, that's, that's very satisfying. Yeah. Oh, um, Michonne calling Carl and Judith her kids. Just stab me in the fucking heart. Yeah. Okay, real quick. Next episode. I'm very, very excited for next episode. I hope I get to watch it live and I hope I get to live vlog it for y'all. Uh, I'm real quick caution to people who think Beth isn't dead. He's not going back to Atlanta for real, guys. He's not. He's not going back to Atlanta for real. He's going back to Atlanta in his head. It's going to be hallucination. And that's all. And he's going back to Atlanta in the past, pretty clearly. He's not going back to Atlanta in the present or even I think in the recent past, relatively. He's going back to Atlanta at the moment at which he woke up. Do not expect to see Beth. You are probably not going to. Do not expect to see hallucination Beth. I suppose it is remotely possible, but I don't think she was, I just don't think that, I don't think she has a place in the story where it would make sense to bring her back. I, I know a lot of people would consider that sacrilege and would probably argue with me, but I just don't, I just don't think so. It is a little weird that Sasha is going to show up because I never got the sense that she and Rick had a really super deep connection. I think Beth had a deeper connection with Rick. Beth basically raised his kid for a while, but I just don't, I don't think, I don't think it's about Beth and I don't think we're going to see Beth. So calm down. Sorry, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. And I suppose it's possible that we will, but even Hallucination Beth, we have seen Hallucination Beth before, but I just don't think that's going to happen. At best, at best, and I doubt this very much, we might get some sense of what happened after Coda because that was also in Atlanta and it was also at Grady and Grady is like important, but it's just... It's, it's just not going to happen, guys. I'm sorry. I really don't think. It's not that I think that we won't necessarily see her again this season. I just, I think next episode is for Rick. It's all for Rick. Let it be for Rick. If she shows up, that's gravy, but do not expect it and do not get excited. Just don't. Just calm down. I am looking forward to it very much. I'm really wondering what's going to happen with Shane because... Shane's, Shane frustrated me because I got the feeling that the writers did not understand what a scumbag Shane was. I, I think maybe toward the end of season two they did. And, and they understood how, how fallen he was and what a, what a broken guy he was. But his, I, I love Shane's 
death because it was just Shakespearean tragedy. And because you got to see Andy Lincoln and John Bernthal really just working like, like uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan last night, really working to their strengths. And it's a very well acted scene and it's beautifully shot and it's wonderfully written. And it's, it's just, it's it, like I said, it's Shakespearean tragedy. It's great. And that is such a raw place for Rick still, I think. And that's another brother figure. That was a brother figure for him that he lost. And I am wondering if we're going to see good chain or bad chain. I think we're going to see kind of good chain, but I, I'm just wondering how they're going to resolve that open, raw place in, in Rick. I think that he wouldn't be showing up if they weren't going to resolve it somehow. But th this is, I don't know if Rick is going to die, but I think that for all intents and purposes, this will be a death episode. I think it's going to be written that way and all of the characters who show back up are going to work that way. Kind of like what happened and what's going on. But yeah, I, I'm really interested to see that. And I'm really curious about the context. Sasha showing up? I mean, Herschel, it would be just great to see Herschel again. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a very strong episode. Also, I'm just down for artsy hallucinatory shit. I know that I'm probably kind of in the minority there, but I... I, just, I don't know. I just am a sucker for that. I love it. It's it's kind of how I write, actually, in, in a lot of cases. But it, yeah, just, I'm just excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be very good. I expect it to be another episode where I can mostly ignore the world building problems, which I'm always down for. Okay, I think I've covered just about everything I want to cover, so I'm going to shut up and get to work on other stuff I need to do. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, I'd love some feedback. I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, if you want me to talk about anything additional, just shoot me an ask on Tumblr or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, the season. It's mixed bag, but on the whole, I like it. So... Uh, we'll see what happens next episode. I'm sure that whenever I manage to record this, I will have a whole fuck of a lot to talk about. And I'm excited and I'm looking forward to it. Right. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.